rate, review, subscribe. You know the vibes. <laughs> Combo Nation, what up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 263 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. I said it. I'll say it again. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Also, if you would like to support the podcast even further, I'll leave a link in the description for the Combos Court Patreon page. We have a $1 tier. We have a $2 tier. But of course, that's for the support, man. But either way, you could continue to listen to Combos Court for absolutely free. Right on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you tune into Combos Court. Another way to support is share this episode with a friend. Share the podcast with a friend. Would greatly appreciate it. Today's show, Sean Hyken of Bleacher Report joins in to talk basketball with yours. Truly a fantastic conversation with Sean. Sean is an NBA reporter for Bleacher Report. You can find Sean on Twitter at Hyken. That's H-I-G-H-K-I-N. You know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Sean Hyken of Bleacher Report. Welcome to Combo's Court. How are you feeling today? I'm doing all right, man. How about you? I am doing well. I am doing well. You know, KPJ, he had 50. I wasn't really surprised, though, to be honest, Sean. I wasn't surprised watching him in Cleveland, watching him in the bubble. Um, there seems, you know, when anybody drops 50, you know, there's a lot of interest on Twitter and everything goes crazy. But with his skill set, I mean, I see a bunch of 50-point games coming in his future. What, what did you think about it? Well, the talent has never really been the issue with him. It's just you know, it, it's always been kind of the, the off court stuff. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, if, 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 if all that stuff, it's kind of, it is kind of interesting that he, you know, this happened right on the heels of him getting fined $50,000 for uh, being in that club where the thing with Sterling Brown happened. So uh, the issue with him, I, mean, I think he would have gone a lot higher in the draft and he would be seen as a lot more of a future star if it weren't for some of kind of that other stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, especially playing on a team where, you know, they don't really have a future, you know, a star to build around and he's going to kind of get a lot of shots. So I wasn't really surprised when I saw that happen. Yeah. His teammate, Christian Wood, I kind of feel bad for him because I thought he would have a better team this year. And I thought he was one of those guys that would take a leap. And I think he did take a leap. What do you think about him for the most improved player award? Do you think that's him thus far? I mean, I guess Julius Randle would be a favorite as of now, right? As well. I think it's probably going to be Randle that ends up getting the votes. It just, because, I mean, A, I don't think anybody expected the Knicks to be this good. And also just the fact that it's the Knicks, it, it, you know, that's always going to be a bigger story than a guy putting up. Because the thing about Christian Wood is he was putting up similar numbers on yeah. Detroit last year. Right. And it's kind of, I mean, the, the most improved player is kind of interesting because it's always just sort of a guy like the year that like Paul George won most improved player, for example, in like his third year in Indy. It was really just he was getting more minutes, but he was having kind of the same production that he was having before. Like, uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I've always said this. I've said this for even before I had a podcast that the most improved player award, is it's often just the most more opportunity award. It's always been like that. Yeah, it is. And whereas, so I feel like with Julius Randle, 
he genuinely had like the three point shooting in particular when that, when he started just shooting the lights out early on in the season, everybody just sort of thought, yeah, this is not sustainable. This is going to come back down to earth at some point. And then it didn't come back down to earth. <laughs> it, it turns, maybe he actually just is this good. I would expect that Julius Randall though, I mean, going, going from being kind of seen as pretty clearly a good stats, bad team guy that is, you know, that wasn't really a winning player, just kind of in his other situations to, being an all-star he's maybe even like a fringe all NBA guy this year on a team that I don't think a lot of people expected to be fourth in the East this year that has been this good. I, I think it's probably his award to lose. Hey, you say fringe all NBA. I hear a lot of people saying fringe MVP. Eh, it's a little <laughs> strong for me. There's like, there's like eight, there, there's like, there's like eight guys. I think that you'd probably have to put ahead of him and MVP. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how fringe we're talking about here. You only get to vote for five. I I don't have a vote, but you only get to vote for five on the MVP. And I don't think he's cracking the top five for a lot of people. Yeah. You mentioned the sustainability with, with his game. I mean, a lot of smart basketball people were saying that they don't see the sustainability with the Knicks period, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of people thought that, but I don't know. I I covered Tom Thibodeau for a couple of years in uh, Chicago, kind of at the end of his uh, time there. And I said this when the Knicks hired him last summer. That's the coach you hire. If you want to have a better record next year than you had last year. I, the thing I wonder about with them is, and this is kind of always something that happened with Tom's teams in Chicago. Do they have another gear to get to in the playoffs, especially offensively, or do they go so hard in the regular season because that's just his style. And that's just kind of the way he coaches. Do they, do they have like when, when the competition ratchets up another level in the playoffs, are they going to have another, you know, are they going to have another level to jump to, or are they already kind of maxed out right now? So I, I, I don't know that, but yeah, I mean, I didn't see the Knicks being this good, this quickly, but I mean, that, that's just kind of what Tibbs does. Yeah. That's interesting. I would say that there is a chance that they will max out when it comes to the playoffs, but I think for them to take another leap, that really comes down to roster construction, yeah. putting more shooting around RJ and Julius and obviously getting another star player. Right. And Ed, who that star player is, I don't know. I mean, obviously the, those Zion comments the other week blew up, but he, he's not going to be in play for probably several years. But so beyond that, it's like, I don't know, is like, is like, is Bradley Beal, but like the wizards are hot right now. So I don't know if he, yeah, he already kind of doesn't want out Uh I don't think that's going to change, you know, now that the Wizards are actually starting to look like maybe a play-in team. Like, I don't know, but I mean, I think the Knicks for once you can, I mean, for the Knicks, I mean, with the, with the Knicks, it's always interesting because they always kind of have fallen back on, you know, we're New York, we're going to get a star at some point. You got to be respectable first. You got to be competent. And for once, it looks like the Knicks actually are building a respectable team. And even if they don't get another star for a couple of years, if they just kind of keep building on this and stay being, decent and competitive and that's going to make them more attractive to whoever the next guy is eventually yeah those are two interesting names for the Knicks I mean Zion did seem really happy talking about uh <laughs> you know his time in yeah. Madison Square Garden but the, the problem with that though is a he's has one more year before he's even up for the rookie extension and everybody signs the rookie extension it's not the same thing as somebody like Anthony Davis who's on his second contract and then he decides he wants out like everybody's like Zion's gonna sign the the five-year max with new Orleans. And so it's going to be probably six or seven years before we're even talking about him as a possibility for them. But I, I, I did find that interesting. I, I, I thought those comments were interesting. They were interesting. And, and Bradley Bill would be a great fit the way he shoots it, the way he could, you know, I think he, that mix with him, Julius and RJ would be a great fit. 
It would be. I just don't know. I mean, he's been pretty adamant so far that he doesn't want to leave Washington. And I was thinking earlier on that maybe, you know, if this season really went south, he, you know, maybe he would start to rethink that during the off season, but now the wizards are hot right now. The wizards might be ending the season on, I mean, I don't, obviously they're not anything more than a play in team, but I think it, a know, dangerous play in team though. Play-in right. Team a dangerous play. Team. Yeah. And then Bradley Beal can look at it and say, Hey, you know, we kind of have something here. We, I, you know, let's, 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 let's try to keep this going for a couple of years. I think that might be more where it's headed than him becoming available in the immediate future. So I don't know who that player is going to be for the Knicks, but, they're in a better position because you remember a couple of years ago, everybody thought for a lot of the season, Oh, Kevin Durant's going there. Kevin Durant's going there. It turns yeah. out he wasn't even really considering them. And we're not even that far removed from even somebody like LaMarcus Aldridge when he was a free agent, he was the best, the biggest free agent on the market. He wasn't even looking at the Knicks. He didn't even give them a meeting. And uh, like, Kawhi Leonard when he was a free agent a couple of years ago he wasn't really looking at the Knicks like no nobody was even looking at them but now that they're actually respectable and now that you can actually look at them and say hey they're decent they have a good core in place it's going to be a little easier sell for one of these because obviously like the New York has like the big market and the MSG and all that stuff like there's that there is that factor but you have to be competent. You have to actually be a team that an organization, because players talk to each other. Players know which organizations treat people well, which ones don't, which ones have good coaching, which ones have good management for the last, however many years outside of Carmelo Anthony, every star player has looked at the Knicks and been like, nah, I'm good. I don't really want like even the playing at MSG and playing for those fans and playing in New York. Like that's not worth you know, all the other dysfunction that comes with that organization. I think with Tibbs there and with this new front office there and yeah. if they can just kind of keep this going. We might start to see that change a little bit. And you mentioned the front office. I mean, Worldwide West is well-connected, and that could help uh-huh. things for them as well. Well, this front office was kind of an interesting move when, when that happened uh, because, you know, they kind of tried to go the agent route where, you know, obviously that was very successful for Golden State when they brought in Bob Myers, who used to be an agent. And, you know, uh, the Lakers did the same thing when they brought in Rob Palinka. And, you know, you can say what you want about some of the – decisions that they've made there but I, it clearly has worked out okay for them with with Rob Palinka running basketball operations there however you know however it ended up working out it clearly ended up working out okay and so the idea of Leon Rosen I actually did a piece on Bleacher Report wherein this first happened because I'm based in Portland and so one of the okay. things about being based in Portland is having access back when we actually had access to players before COVID when we got to go in locker rooms and talk to guys and stuff having access to Carmelo Anthony who Leon Rose had been his agent for many years. And so he knows, knows him well. And so I was able to ask him about kind of what he thought about the, the move and Leon Rose is very well respected. I mean, there are some agents where, you know, they don't have great relationships with all the front offices, but Leon Rose, everybody kind of thought, thought was a stand-up guy and was, you know, smart enough to know how to put the right people in place. And for all the jokes that you could make about, you know, it's the Knicks and they're doing another thing with CAA. And then obviously when they brought in Tom as their coach, Tom's also a CAA guy. And so it was, it was kind of seen as just, you know, obviously just the CAA mafia is just going to take care of itself. And then you <laughs> kind of saw the same thing happen when they drafted Obi Toppin as high as they did. That's a CAA guy also. Uh, but I mean, you look at where they were uh, two years ago or even one year ago when they were one of the worst teams in the league and they were one of the biggest jokes in the in the entire league as far as an organization goes. And now you look at them and nobody's 
deluding themselves into thinking that this Knicks team this year is a contender. They're not going to beat Brooklyn or Philly or Milwaukee in a playoff series, but you look at the Knicks and say, Hey, they're respectable. Now they have a thing going. They have, you know, they, they have something to build off of, which is more than you can say for them for the last probably since that one year in 2013, where where the, the year that Carmelo won the scoring title and they made the second round. That's probably the last time you could say the Knicks were even respectable. Yeah, that is true. You you just mentioned Brooklyn. Uh, Vegas has them as the favorites. Uh, I guess there's two camps To here. win the title or to win the East? To win the title. To win the okay. title. Yeah. Okay. To win the title. Uh, I just I actually looked at it today. I hope I was looking at the right list, but I think I am. And yeah, and I've heard it before that they're the favorite when it, when it comes to Vegas. Um, but, I mean, would you agree with that? Uh, I mean, when you put these three guys together and they're all healthy – Man, you can't really, you know, deny what they could do on a basketball court, especially on the offensive side. But chemistry does come to effect in the playoffs. So, so where do you land on that? I'm not that worried about chemistry okay. with them necessarily. I feel like what, what little we've seen, and I think it's only been five or six games that we've even seen with all three of those guys actually on the court together. But yeah, uh, what we've seen when they were actually on the court is those three are just, they're so unguardable offensively that it's just not like, I I'm not worried about them. The thing I'm worried about with them obviously is are all three of them actually going to be healthy? Cause there's this whole, this whole idea of, uh, of like, uh, you know, if once they get everybody healthy, they're going to be unstoppable. But you know, that once they got everybody healthy, that that's such a big, if at this point, I just don't like, Durant is still out uh, or he's, or, you know, he's been in and out of the lineup hard and had a setback with his hamstring injury. And we just saw Durant miss like almost two months with a hamstring thing. We kind of know that hamstrings are not really something you want to play around with. And so, right. I even think they could get to the finals if they have two of the three, if two of the three are Durant and Harden. I just, I, I, if, if you're, if your team in terms of guys you have healthy are just Kyrie and you know, then whoever else they have on the team outside of these, those other two, if those other two guys are not reliably healthy, I don't really see it, but if they are, then yeah, I could definitely see them getting to the finals. Although, I mean, I still think if, you know, Philly's Philly's healthy, if Milwaukee's like, I think those two teams are pretty good. I don't think it's like a, a lock by any means, but it's going to come down to health. I think for Brooklyn. Yeah. I think Katie and, Kyrie or KD and Harden, I think that would be enough to win the East. I think or Harden and Kyrie, it has to be one. Yeah, it has that's to be true. at least that's one true. of those other two, though. No, I would agree with that. Um, I think they have a great chance to win it all. I mean, it would be tough against a fully loaded Lakers, and if they're healthy, I guess it's really about health when it comes to all of this, and it is every year, but even more so this year. And I would say with the injuries, I think all these teams are holding players out a little bit longer than I don't want to say needed, but they're being extra careful. Oh, absolutely. I don't know how many times this year I've turned on the TV and been like, oh, this game between Brooklyn and whoever, like, or, you know, the Lakers and Dallas or, you know, any of these teams where you're like, oh, this is going to be a great matchup. I'm excited for this. And then you turn on the TV and, oh, both either one or both teams has just their best players out. Or like, I think a lot of that is just sort of a function of this season and the schedule. And I think the league kind of, had to know that they were signing up for at least some of that when that happened. Cause what the two things that they really were set on with this season schedule were we have to get the 72 games in because that's the number we have to hit to pay off yep. the TV deals. And, and I, I think this is a little bit overblown, but this was how they felt. We have to get the season completely done before the Olympics start. And so when oh. you have both of those two things in play, it's going to be like those lockout seasons where, 
they are having to cram so many games in to such little time, you're either going to have a lot of injuries like the Jamal Murray injury and a couple of other ones, or you're going to have teams like the, the, you know, the teams at the top where like, you know, the Brooklyn's, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Phillies, the Milwaukee's, you know, the teams that actually have a real shot at winning the title are going to be holding guys out because they realize that they, the only thing that matters is keeping these guys healthy for the playoffs. And so I think it's made a lot of these regular season games matter less than they already did. And so it's really hard to guess what anything is going to be because I just don't know how much of what happened in the regular season is going to correlate to what happens in the playoffs one way or the other. Yeah. And kudos to the nets. I mean, even through all these injuries and their best players, not playing, they, they kept it up. They really They've been good. Yeah. They've been good. Nick Claxton is a kind of a find for them in terms of a young player who wasn't really heralded and has been contributing. Alizé Johnson, another guy they've, they've been able to, you know, they've been able to find guys. They've been able to stick. To, it's not like, it, it's not like what happened with the Lakers where, you know, those two guys are out and then they are, you know, they kind of held pace for a little bit, but then they started to slip before Anthony Davis came back. No, I mean, Brooklyn has had those three guys in and out in different combinations, you know, Kyrie will miss time, then Durant, and then he'll come back, but then Durant's out and then he'll come back, but then Harden's out. Like they've been able to navigate through all of this. I mean, I think Steve Nash deserves a lot of credit for that, but also their front office for finding some of these guys that have been able to contribute. Yeah, and I like the Mike James signing. I really do. Um, I went to high school with Mike James, actually. Okay, he must have I, been. He must have been I don't want to say. Go ahead. I don't want to say we knew each other well, but he was in my year, my graduating class at my high school, and I mean, he was he was one of our best basketball players. I I had kind of I never really like had heard much about him as like a as like a real like NBA prospect. He was kind of always seen like when I by the time I started covering the league and he and he was he was kind of seen as more of like a you know an overseas player but you know he's had a couple of nba opportunities so credit to him i obviously i'm happy when he's successful i haven't i haven't talked to him in probably 10 or 12 years but you know i i I'd always, it always makes me happy when i see an nba team look at him yeah I, I like sean i think he's a legit nba guy i mean to me i mean he's always been a bucket getter and he's doing a better job of setting the table now than ever mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, on the other hand, like even if the NBA thing doesn't stick for him, he's built a very nice career for himself oh, yes. overseas. Like he's, he's a, Almost he's like, definitely. he's like, you know, one of the best players in Europe year in and year out. And that's really, you know, even though it's not the NBA, that's something to, you know, you can hang your hat on. Absolutely. Oh, averaging 19 in your, in your league is no joke. It's tough. It's to not, score. It, it's, it's tough to score in that league. It really is. And probably a lot of guys would average more. I mean, depending on your skill, depending on your skill set and opportunity. I mean, a lot of guys could average more in the NBA than they can in your league. The top score is usually around 1920. Yeah. Sean, are the Phoenix suns legit? Are they legit title contenders? Certainly contenders. I mean, I think that if LeBron and Anthony Davis are both healthy by the playoffs, I would still kind of say the Lakers are the favorites, but I like the Suns, I think more than, I mean, you look at the other teams in the, uh, you know, in, in the kind of the top of the, the West, I think I like this. I trust the Suns in the playoffs more than Utah, for example. I, the Clippers are tricky because I, you know, obviously the Clippers have been really good this year, I, but I still kind of have this kind of bad taste in my mouth with them from the playoffs last year. And it's a lot of the same guys on the team, but I don't know. Phoenix, Phoenix is interesting to me. And I, I was, I was really in on Phoenix at the beginning of the season. Just when, as soon as they got Chris Paul, I was just like, Oh, okay. You can, you combine Chris Paul with that team that went eight and oh in the bubble last year. And he already has that relationship with Monty Williams. Like, yeah, I, I, I like Phoenix a lot. I, I would still, I would say 
if those two are healthy, I think the Lakers are probably the favorites. But other than that, I think I like Phoenix as much as anybody. What are your thoughts with the playing game format? I like it. I think, I mean, I thought it was pretty funny that Mark Cuban was one of the 30 owners that unanimously voted to adopt the play-in tournament. And then once his team unexpectedly became one of the teams that was seen as maybe being in the play-in tournament, suddenly he was like, oh, I don't know. I actually think this is a really bad idea. And it's like, okay, dude, you just didn't want your team to be in it. But no, I think it's cool. I thought that the Blazers uh, Grizzlies game in the bubble last year was awesome. And if you look at what the matchups are going to break down to this year, there's a good chance you're either going to have before the actual playoffs start, you're either going to have Steph versus Dame or Steph versus Luca in a one game winner take all thing. And as a fan, that's awesome. Like you're going to tune into that on TV more so than maybe you would for just the one eight matchup normally where you think it's going to be kind of one-sided. So I actually think it's good for interest and for drama. I understand why some players don't like it, but I think it's good. I, I, I don't always love some of the changes that uh, the league makes sometimes with some of these format things, it seems like they're kind of just tweaking stuff just to tweak stuff, but I actually like this one. I think it's good. Yeah. And a wizards matchup with whoever they'll play against. Yeah. Or, wizards or, or like wizards with like, you know, if LaMelo is back by then, like if Charlotte could exactly. be interesting in there. Like exactly. Yeah. Those, I mean, those are some great teams to watch, you know, they really are the wizards, yeah. the Hornets. And uh, obviously, you know, with Steph Curry, the Warriors are great to watch as well. So it'll be interesting. Sean, great stuff. Um, thanks so much for taking the time. Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? My Twitter and my Instagram are both just my last name at Hiken. Okay. Pretty easy to remember. And then my writing is on Bleacher Report. And, you know, when I write stuff, I will post the links there. Great stuff. You're always welcome back, Sean. Talk soon. Yeah, absolutely. Combo Nation, there it is. Another episode of Combo's Court is in the books. Big shouts to Sean for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Share this episode with a friend. Share it on social media. Appreciate the continued support if you would like to support the podcast even further. We left a link in the description for the Combo's Court Patreon page. There's a $1 per month tier. There's a $2 per month tier. So if you'd like to support the podcast even further, check out the Combo's Court Patreon page. As I said, the link is in the description for that. Be on the lookout for episode 264. Combo out.